God the Father is a great gift giver. Amen. The book of James says, Every good gift comes from above. God the Father is an amazing giver of good gifts. Does anyone remember the old book, Five Languages of Love? The Languages of Love, Gary Chapman. I think he says, words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, physical touch, gift giving. Well, God is love. He's clearly all of those and so much more. But he's certainly uh, a giver of good gifts. Have you discovered that? He is a giver of good gifts. And today's message is entitled, The Gift of the Father. I want to suggest to you that as many gifts he has given, there is one that is the greatest. And don't yell out the answer if you know it. I'm sure that many of you do. But what is his greatest gift? What is the greatest gift the Father has given to humanity? Well, we go back to Genesis and we find Adam and Eve in the garden And they're walking in the evening with their creator. And they're given all sorts of things to look after, but there's one gift which is above all the gifts. Then he called Abram and chose him to be the father of many nations. And him and Sarah were given all sorts of promises. But what was the greatest gift that Abram was given? His name got changed to Abraham and his descendants grew to over one million. They end up in Egypt and God delivers them. He rescues his people who are now really called his people from Egypt. But that wasn't the greatest of his gifts. What was his greatest gift to them? And then the foot of Mount Nebo, the book of Deuteronomy, the book of the law is given. Moses teaches the people how to live. Just before they head off into the promised land, they're told this is the way you are to live. These are the blessings. These are the curses. This is how you're to live. But what was his greatest gift? His greatest gift is this, that he said, I will be with you, isn't it? The presence of the living God with his people is his greatest gift. God's greatest gift is not his forgiveness, though that is amazing. God's greatest gift is not his power, though that is phenomenal. God's greatest gift is not even heaven and the new earth. Because God is the end. He's not a means to an end. Amen? You don't go through God to get the real thing you're after, forgiveness and power and heaven and the new earth. God is the end. His presence is his greatest gift. And the Bible teaches this clearly. First of all, the the people of Israel are told how important his presence was by the instruction and the physical example of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all of the time. But God chose that his people would interact with him in one place on earth to know that his presence was there at the Ark of the Covenant. And, of course, the Ark of the Covenant was put in the tent of meeting, a movable tent, the tabernacle. And by day there was a pillar of smoke and at night a pillar of fire to show The tent of meeting, God's presence was there meeting with Moses and Joshua. And then God said, I want you to build me a temple. And so we will put the Ark of the Covenant in the temple and this will be the sign of my presence, the nexus point of heaven and earth, God meeting humanity. But that wasn't enough for the Lord. He didn't want to be just 
with his people in one place, did he? Even though the temple was a wonderful thing, he wanted to be with them at all times because the greatest gift of the Father is his presence. And of course there was that perpetual problem, that lack of holiness in his people. God is utterly and completely holy and his people are not completely holy. So if God's presence was to be with his people, there was that problem of sin. And that was this perpetual issue. God longs to be with his people, but his people were sinful and God is sinless. And so this was an issue. And so God spoke through the prophets and told his people what he planned on doing. And this is from Ezekiel 36. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. You've got a sin problem, but I'm going to fix it. I will cleanse you from all of your impurities And from all of your idols, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to follow and keep my commands and my law. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people And I will be your God. The gift of the Father would be that one day he would make a way for humanity to be clean. Hallelujah. To be cleansed completely. And more than that, they would be fundamentally, humans, fundamentally changed from the inside out permanently. So that one day, one day, the presence of God would not simply be out in a temple made by human hands. The temple of God would be the heart of a human being. The prophets spoke of a day when by God's grace sin would be dealt with and a way would be made open for the gift, the greatest gift, the gift of the Father to be given, his presence in a new temple the human heart. Wow. How? How could that happen? When would that happen? Well, enter God in human flesh, the Lord Jesus, stage right. Born of a virgin, second Adam, pure. First Adam was without sin until he sinned. Second Adam, humanity without sin. Perfect obedience, perfect life, perfect direction, straight to a cross to pay for the sin of the world. This is what we have studied through the book of Luke. How it happened that God's promise could come to pass. We read these important words last week in Luke 24. Let me read them again. Jesus said, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer. When he said suffer, he meant die on a cross. And he will rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Of course, God promised, I'm going to make a way where sins can be dealt with. And that's what the cross accomplished. It's going to go to all nations, this good news that God's promised has been fulfilled. It's going to begin at Jerusalem. And you, my disciples, Jesus says, you're my witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. There's a gift that's been promised. It's the greatest gift. 
the presence of God, not in an ark, not in a tabernacle, not in a temple, but in a new temple. Hallelujah. In a new temple, the heart of a human being. But now this is important for God to be able to do that. For God to be able to live in a human heart. There seems to be some economy of God. There's some spiritual law that means it's going to cost Jesus a lot. Even more than death. Death plus what he had to do. He had to self-limit himself for this to happen. He, his word become flesh. He never stopped being God. But the word who could be in all places at all times, Philippians 2 says the word took on the mission and humbled himself and became humanity. And last week we read that Jesus was clothed with new humanity. He was firstborn from among the dead, resurrected flesh. He doesn't throw away that body. He has a body now in heaven at the right hand of the Father. Amen. That's breathtaking humility. God become flesh, not just for a season, but God become flesh and God forever. The Lamb of God is a human being who is God. And that had to happen so that John 16, 7 would come true. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. And listen to this, unless I go away in the economy of God, with the spiritual laws of the universe that God has created, the advocate will not come to you. There's something in the way God set up the universe, that he could not send the Holy Spirit to come and live in human hearts, all of us by faith, unless Jesus was self-limited and the Lamb of God in human form. He says that. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus needed to live, die, rise again, and ascend to the Father before the Spirit could be given as the gift of the Father. This means that although we grew up, some of us in Sunday school like I did, some of us haven't, I know, um, and we were told, Jesus lives in my heart. Jesus is a human being. He can't fit in my heart, but his spirit can. Amen? The spirit of Christ is the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Father. In fact, in John, uh, God says, uh, Jesus says, my Father and I will make our home in you. So there's a sense of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all dwelling as the presence of God in the believer's heart. But it's not Jesus himself. He's a human being who is God at the right hand of the Father, first resurrected human from the dead. So who is it that would come and live as the presence of God in us? It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I am going to send you what my Father has promised. Remember, he's a giver of good gifts. This is the gift that's been promised throughout history. I'm going to send him to you, the gift. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And this leads us to the book of Acts. Some of us have been reading through Luke, Acts. And we're already, some of us, in the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostle is the name uh, of Acts. But it's really the Acts of Jesus. Because we are, believers are the body of Christ. 
every act that the church did, every act the church has ever done in the last 2,000 years has been an act of Jesus. Amen? It's the acts of Jesus. So let me read again from Acts 1 because it's just such an important text. We have to sit under it. Luke writes, Dr. Luke writes, in my former book, as Ruth just read for us, Theophilus could mean code for friend of God, could be a wealthy backer, but he's writing this Luke Acts account to Theophilus. I wrote about all that Jesus in my past account, what he began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them convincing proofs that he was alive. Remember last week he said, here, look at my, my wounds. It's me. Give me some food. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God as he always did. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. The gift that has been promised all the way back really from the Garden of Eden, but certainly what Ezekiel was talking about, the gift my father promised, his greatest gift, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then it happens. Hallelujah. What history has been waiting for? The greatest gift. The greatest gift that was ever given happened and still happens because of this day. Chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. The temple of God was a temple in a human heart. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them because it was a shared mission to go to all the world, remember? They were to be his witnesses. Now they were, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. This is the mission shared. Hallelujah. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? They heard people witnessing to the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And Peter is empowered by the Spirit and he's no longer a scaredy cat, but post-Pentecost he gives the first sermon and 3,000 people at least put their faith in Christ. When Peter finished preaching, the people said this, and it's so important what happened when the first truth of the gospel was proclaimed, empowered by the Holy Spirit in this new way, the people were cut to the heart because truth cuts through the darkness, cuts through every lie. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, 
what Jesus had said back in Luke 24. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit because this gift, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Did you hear that? For all who are far off. Anyone looked on Google Earth how far Israel is from us? That's us, guys. We're the far-offs. We are far off. And the gospel has found its way to Australia. And we are filled, those of us who believe in Jesus, with the same Holy Spirit, the gift of the Father, is for us today. Amen. The gift of the Father is for us. What's that gift of the Father again? It's God not dwelling in a temple, not dwelling in a nice fancy church with stained glass windows, though he could be there at times. God wants to dwell in your heart and mind by faith alone, by grace. Does anyone feel weird, special, confused? Like, really? Really in here? That guy that looked in the mirror this morning and looked pretty normal? That person that feels a little bit down in the dumps every now and then, I think, how can I feel down in the dumps every if the presence of God was with me? But that's the journey of the church. That's the book of Acts working out together. Okay, so we are filled with the Spirit of God. We are the living presence of God as the body of Christ on earth to do the acts he's prepared in advance for us to do, Ephesians 2. And the book of Acts is them working out how to do that. And we're still doing it. The book of Acts is them working out how do we be the manifestation of the presence of God for the world. How do we do that? So what should we expect from the gift of the Father, his presence in us by faith in our hearts? We should expect unity, amen? The Spirit brings unity. Of course, the Spirit brings unity. It's what Jesus prayed for in John 17. But the Holy Spirit brings unity because we are of one mind, the mind of Christ. Do we always find unity? No, but it's where we're heading. It's what we can hold on to and appropriate by, by grace through faith and through repentance and some hard work. Not that we earn it, but it, it pushes away the flesh and go, God, you want us to be unified, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one spirit. The spirit brings fruit. That's what we can expect. Because the life of Jesus is now flowing through all who believe. So we should expect, Galatians 5.22, love and joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Gentleness and self-control. There's unity in the Spirit, the gift of the Father. There's fruit. There's power. There's power in the name of Jesus. You read the Acts of Jesus. Remember when Jesus said, you're going to do greater things than I have done. And I think what he really means is you're going to lead people to eternal life through the giving of the Holy Spirit. So he couldn't give the Holy Spirit in the same way that he can be given as the gift of the Father after Pentecost. But Jesus said, you're going to go out and do works in my name that will amaze and give glory to God. But 
That power to cast out demons, we have that power in the name of Jesus because the presence of God is with us. We have the power to speak to strongholds, emotional strongholds, and ask them to go in the name of Jesus. Chains to be broken. We've even got the authority to ask people who are sick and infirmed to be raised up, to be healed. But it doesn't always happen like we ask, does it? Because the power is not the end. The power is a means to an end. And what's the end? The presence of God. So have you found you could pray for some healing and the person doesn't get healed the way you expect? But what do you typically find in the process? God. You find God because he's the end. You find the presence of God. In the midst of the struggle and the suffering and the patient endurance, you find God is with you, and that's the end. But we do find unity, and we find fruit from this gift of the Father, the Holy Spirit. We do find power. There is a power that we can experience and do experience. And there is truth. There is truth through the Spirit who has inspired people to write the New Testament and the Old Testament. And it speaks to every aspect of our life, the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us together, collectively, backed up by the Scriptures. So we can expect the gift of the Father will give us unity and fruit and power and truth and holiness. The Holy Spirit will convict us of sin. Say, that's not the way to go. That's, that's not the way the temple of the living God behaves. And uh, we had a prophecy last year that God gave me, and I didn't know I was having it until after, really. He just said, I want wholehearted devotion, and I want you at Northern Life to tear down the high places where there are idols stashed. And I think over time we discovered what some of those high places could, could be. But the challenge is there always for us. The temple of the Holy Spirit is called to holiness by the grace of God, but we are called to be a holy people. The gift of the Father brings unity and fruit and power, truth, holiness and witness. Amen. Witness. They prayed in Acts, Lord, Holy Spirit, fill us afresh to, that we might be bold. We might boldly declare the truth of the gospel. Because we're getting a bit scared. We can experience boldness if we receive it. It's what the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Father, brings. Can you imagine? Um, I'm not a great gift giver. I think my languages of love are different to gift giving. Who's a fantastic gift giver? That's good when your wife holds your arm up. <laughs> well done, mate. So you imagine Stuart, like he's a great gift giver, apparently. Um, but Stuart wants to give a gift to Fifi. And so he's thinking, oh, what does Fifi love? And, he, and then he comes up with a bright idea and he does his Google Yards. He's looking up on, on the internet, what's the best version of this gift? And, and, and he sources it the other side of Sydney because not, he's not going to wait for it to be delivered. He's going to jump in his car, drive down there, not pay that extra delivery because he's a bit cheap. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> But you, you go and get the gift and you bring it back and you, and you package it up and, and you say... Here it is. And he gives this gift to Fifi. 
And a month later, he just notices, she hasn't opened my gift. And a year later, it's sitting there on the bench. It's like when you give someone a card and the money gets thrown out in the bin. No one's going to, still, it's not going to feel great about that. But, you know, it's what happens in Christianity. The gift sometimes is not opened up. The gift of the Father, the greatest gift ever given. It's what happens in the book of Acts. You could probably argue against this interpretation, but I think it's fair. The church has expanded west, and it's gone modern Turkey and then over even to Macedonia and Greece. And then Paul is headed back, and he's come back on his second missionary journey, and he's come to Ephesus, where there have been some believers before, And he's taught there for some time. Let me read from Acts 19. Think about a gift not unpacked. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. That means Turkey, the interior. And um, and there he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Now, whether these were Jews or or genuine converts to Christianity. We don't know exactly for sure, but what I do know is you can be a Christian for a long time and never know anything about the Holy Spirit. Is that fair to say? I, I grew up as a Christian. I had a great backing and, 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 and undergirding foundation in my life. But it wasn't until I started reading and some impact from the local church I was part of, a great youth pastor, um, I actually read the book of Acts for the first time and I went, whoa, I didn't know anything happened after Jesus rose again. What's this stuff about the Holy Spirit? Like I was literally like the believers at Ephesus and someone literally had to say to me, you know what, there's a gift of the Father. He was prophesied thousands of years ago. It's what the whole life, death and resurrection of Jesus is all about, that he'd go back to heaven and you'd have the Holy Spirit in you. Now, if you're a believer, you've got the Holy Spirit. You can't be regenerated without the Holy Spirit. But I think you can be regenerated and have no idea that the presence of the living God is in you. Because no one told you. And we read this in Luke 24, where Jesus says he he explained the scriptures and then he opened their minds that they might understand it. I think there is something very real in Life in Christianity called revelation. We need revelation. Lindsay prayed it before. That a veil over our eyes. It could be the denomination we grew up in. Some people grow up in or spend a lot of time in a denomination says, you know, the Holy Spirit, that's what you do to that. That's a bad thing. Well, he's not a bad thing. He's a person. How could he be a bad thing if he's the very thing that's the gift of the Father? Amen. I'm not talking about anything controversial about, oh, there are second-class Christians, uh, you have to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. I'm not going there at all. All I'm saying is you need to know that you know 
that the Spirit of God is testifying, Romans 8, inside your heart to your spirit saying, you're a child of God. You're a child of God. You've got an Abba Father. You've got a Dad in heaven. You belong. No one can steal you away from his hand. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the gift of the Father, has been given to all who would believe in Jesus. The greatest gift. If you haven't received the gift that Jesus accomplished on the cross there today, whether you're online or here, I just want to compel you in Jesus' name. Repent of your sins and give your life to Christ. He died for you. Do it today. Do it today. You don't need to stand up, walk down the front, though that can be good. Do it right now. Cast yourself on his mercy and say, God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sin. I need a saviour because I'm a sinner. And if there's a way for me to be forgiven, please, please let me enjoy that. I want to live for you. Teach me how to. I pray that you would do that. And also I pray, I'd love to pray for you now that if, as we talk about this wonderful truth, you're sitting there a little bit numb, a little bit like, I, I don't know about that stuff. Don't let a certain denomination enjoy the truth that is for everybody. And you know, what I mean is the charismatic church, they emphasize the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Praise God. That's fantastic. And some of the other more conservatives hold this up. Glory to God. Isn't that wonderful? Can we do both? Can we say we love the word of God, but you know what? This was never promised. It turned up and is a blessing and is the source of our faith and conduct. But the promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit. And he is who inhabits your heart and cleanses you of all unrighteousness because of the blood of Christ. And he's the one who renews your mind and teaches you how to live the way Jesus said he could that you could live because the Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. Jesus.